Hi guys, my name is Brendan Patrick. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right, let me try this again. All right, cool, great. All right, <laughs> sorry. Hi guys, my name is Brendan Patrick, and you're listening to Superlit. Superlit is a bi-weekly podcast that discusses books relating to the LGBT community. I have the giggles because it's very late, um, so excuse me. This book is... I mean, it's fun. It's not fun. It's not funny. <laughs> oh my god! All right, here we go. Um, so, um, how many times am I going to do the opening before I get it right? That's that's a really good question. So, this week we are going to be talking about Adam Silvera's book. They both die at the end. I thought it would be a good kind of follow up to the super mushy. Love Fest, that was Love, Simon, uh, or Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. And both very different books by very different authors. But they do have, a, I believe, Becky Albertalli and Adam Silvera have a book coming out together. So um, this is actually kind of like a cool thing to talk about. So um, they both die at the end. I will read you the book sleeve. So... On September 5th, a little after midnight, Deathcast calls Mateo Torres and Rufus... I'm, oh my god, I'm going to mess this up and I'm going to sound like an idiot. Okay, calls Mateo and Rufus to give them some bad news. They're going to die today. Mateo and Rufus are total strangers, but for different reasons, they're both looking to make new friends on their end day. The good news, there's an app for that. It's called Last Friend, and through it, Rufus and Mateo are about to meet up for one last great adventure, to live a lifetime in a single day. Uplifting and devastating, charming and haunting, they both die at the end as a tour de force from acclaimed author Adam Silvera, whose debut novel, New York Times, called Profound, which is very correct. It's a story that reminds us there is no life without death, no love without loss, and it's and that it's possible to change your whole world in a day. Okay, let me tell you, that is literally like the best description of a book ever, because... I think this book is like 360, it's like 368, yeah, 368 pages. Um, and uh, honestly, that is like the best description of a book ever. It, so something about the character, so Mateo, um, he's kind of like a scaredy cat. His mother died giving birth to him. It's one of my, I have like a million notes on this book. That's one of the first ones that I have just because it comes up pretty early. Um, Mateo's mother dies giving birth to him. And so his father, uh, raised him by himself. And that in turn kind of made Mateo into like the scaredy cat that, you know, he is always afraid of dying. So basically Mateo's character description is him saying like, after he gets the phone call, he's like, I'm dying, you know, without any kind of like not having a first kiss, not having, you know, met any new people, never like having sung to strangers, like any, there are so many things that he wanted to do and he missed out on it because he was really terrified of dying. And in turn, as his life is cut short at the age of 17, almost 18, he just feels as though, uh, he wasted his life, which honestly at the age of almost 28 with me, I feel like I would feel the same way. And I feel like I've done some, some shit in my life. Um, so uh, each, there's there's one, two, three, and four parts of the book. First part is called 
I have a note over it, so let me see if I can lift it. First part is called Deathcast, or The Deathcast? No, just Deathcast. And so there's a quote from Oscar Wilde there. The quote from Oscar Wilde is, To live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist. That's all. And honestly, that like that's a pretty good starting like quote for a book, um, especially one of this... I almost said magnitude, but I guess this kind of um, topic. Part two is The Last Friend. A ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. So that was from John A. Shedd. Um, and then part three is called The Beginning. It is not death that a man should fear, but he should fear never beginning to live. Uh, Marcus... He's a Roman Empire. I can't read his last name. I so, admittedly, I'm recording very late in the day. Um, it's like midnight now. Wow, it's midnight right now. I might be getting a call from Deathcast. Um, it's midnight right now. I'm recording just because uh, my family is always up and about all day, and I I, I feel bad telling them like, "Hey, I'm recording my podcast. You might have, like keeping it quiet uh, because I feel like that's not." Uh, that's not nice to do. Like, this is their home. They should be able to live their life. Um, and then, uh, so part four is called The End. Really funny. Um, this one is, the quote on this one is from Steve Jobs, which is actually kind of cool that, like, the last one, I guess, is the most recent. So, no one wants to die. Even the people who want to go to heaven, who don't, see, I'm having a hard time reading these because it's on a black page. So, no one wants to die. Even people who want to go to heaven don't want to die to get there. And yet, death is the destination we all share. No one has ever... <laughs> no one has ever... I sound like a robot. No one has ever escaped it. And that, as it should be, because death is very likely the single best invention of life. It is, uh, it is life's change agent. It clears out the old to make way for the new. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to laugh, but I'm having such a hard time reading because my eyes are blurry and my glasses are just, like, not helping. Okay, so we uh, we start off the book with Mateo. He's the first one to get the phone call. Uh, Mateo gets his phone call at 1222 on September 5th. Mateo is alone in his apartment that he shares with his dad. Uh, his dad is in a coma, so... He goes and visits him pretty consistently, I believe at least like once a day, to like talk to his dad, to see how he's doing, to see if he's, you know, woken up. And he gets the phone call and he immediately starts kind of like freaking out and he's like, oh my God, like what am I going to do with my life? And so after that, he starts like kind of cleaning the apartment and making sure that when his dad gets back, uh, that's clean, uh, just in case he wakes up today. And so, like I said before, Mateo has kind of been afraid to, like, live his life. So as he's going through, like, the very short list of people who he, like, needs to see before he passes, um, his best friend Lydia pops up and his father, obviously. So Lydia had um, a baby at a very young age. I believe they're the same age, I think. Lydia had a baby at a young age. Her... I don't. I feel like saying "baby daddy" is such like a bad term, but like the father of her child, Penny. So he is given the death cast call and uh, dies on his way back to Lydia while Lydia's asleep. And this happens, you know, a while ago. So while Mateo gets the phone call, he's like, "Damn, I really don't think 
I can wholeheartedly tell her what's going on right now because it will devastate her because he remembers being there while, you know, she was devastated by the uh, call from Christian that he was passing. So um, it's just sad that he only has two people. But, you know, two people is more than zero people. So there is that. So Rufus... The next chapter is for Rufus. They go back and forth, and each chapter has, like, a time on it. So there's a timestamp on each thing. So Rufus gets the phone call at 1.05 a.m., and he is currently beating the shit. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. The shit out of this kid named uh, Peck. Peck is uh, it's short for something. I'll get to that later. But Peck is currently dating. Um, I almost said Mateo. Weren't. Peck is currently dating Rufus's uh, ex-girlfriend. And the thing with... Let me uh, let me get to a preface to Rufus. So Amy is adopted from the foster home that uh, Rufus and his friends live in. And she breaks up with Rufus as she's going. So she start, And she starts dating, like, a, I don't want to say a childhood friend, but I think they've known each other for a while. Uh, his name is Peck. And Rufus catches him as he's leaving work and just beats the snot out of him. And the thing with Peck is that he is part of a nameless gang. So Peck is called Peck because when he punches you, it's like a bird Peck. So there's his nickname. And so he decides to beat the shit out of, out of Peck while this is uh, when he finally finds him. And he gets the phone call from Deathcast literally as he's beating the snot out of him. So um, he's beating him up for, uh, you know, dating Amy because... Uh, Peck basically was like, yeah, you should break up with him, start fresh. So he kind of egged Amy on to break up with Rufus. So after that, basically Mateo sits in his apartment for like a little while trying to figure out what he's going to be doing. And it goes back and forth between Mateo and Rufus. And Rufus is doing a lot more because he's, you know, in action. He's getting back to his foster home to talk to his foster parents um, and in the chapters with Rufus, you get, I don't want to say more information about him than you do Mateo. Rufus is, I don't want to say a much more dynamic character, but he's had a lot more happen to him. Rufus is a lot more like dynamic in a way, whereas like Mateo, a lot of things that happen to other people around him, which make him scared of, you know, doing things, but also things have happened to him. But the thing with Rufus is that um, he's at the foster home because his parents and his sister all got a death cast call at the same time. And uh, they decided to go to this cabin that they used to go visit uh, in, I think it's like upstate New York. And on their way up, their car flips over like a guardrail and dives into the Hudson they all make sure that Rufus gets out of the car safely and his sister kind of gets stuck on like her seatbelt and his parents don't really make any attempt to get out of the car. So that has sat with uh, Rufus for the past couple of months. So he feels really bad that he's been left behind um, and that he was the one that was able to escape and that his parents didn't really attempt to leave or like try to save themselves. But the thing with Deathcast is that so many people have tried to escape it, including one of the presidents of America in this book, and they all wind up dying. There's no way to escape it. It's just this like mystical thing that they don't really explain 
they don't and and the book doesn't really attempt to explain it which i think is fine there's no like oh it's this and that's how it's figured out and here we are and i think that's the nice thing about adam silvera he sets up this world and it's just believable enough that you're you question it and you want to know more about it but i think if he were to explain it too much it would just seem hokey and in this world there are um there are like blogs about people on their last day you know everyone puts up like things uh, like we do now. And the cool thing is that Mateo is very like aware of them. He watches like the Countdowners blogs, which are people who are Deckers. Deckers are described as the people who are um, who have been called by the Death Cast. So Deckers are um, people who are on their last day. And the Countdowners blog is basically like different people posting about what they're doing on their last day. And, like, some of them are like, hey, can someone take my golden retriever for me? Like, I, I'm going to die, and my family will just get rid of my dog. So it's, like, things like that. So I, I picture it to be, like, a Tumblr-esque situation, if you will, where everyone has blogs, and they just happen to die at the end of their blog. Um, some just stop updating, and that's how you kind of know that they're gone. But uh, while Mateo is figuring out his life in his apartment, so we're back to Mateo, um, he decides to make his headstone um, out to say, here lies Mateo, he lived for everyone, um, after a bunch of self-deprecating fake choices. Um, like one of the ones he had was, he lived where he died in his bedroom, what a waste of a life, children take more risks than him. I honestly, some of these things like I laughed at, like admittedly. So Mateo is the first one to download this app called Last Friend. Last Friend, I believe I actually spoke about when I was reading the book, you know, the book sleep to you guys. It's this app where you can kind of just like download it and, and find a companion for your last day. There were murders that occurred on the Last Friend app. Um, there was a serial killer that went around and murdered people on the Last Friend app. And it's actually mentioned in the book. And like you actually have a small... The cool thing about this book... There are not every chapter is Mateo and Rufus. Some are different people. Some are people who didn't get the death cast phone call. And it just gives like a little bit of a background on them. So um, the creator of the app actually, like, they bring it up and she's like had thoughts about wanting to sell the app because she felt so devastated by the murders that occurred on the app. But she, you know, keeps the, the app under her name. Um, just because she she's proud of what it's like done, and there are a lot of great stories in the book about how people would be like you know lost without their last friend, which is really cool. And it doesn't have to be just Deckers. So there are people who are not dying that can go on and you know help a person spend their last day as like the most fun and magical way they can, which is actually really cool. So Mateo signing up for the Last Friend app. So as he's Signing up for the app, you can like put different things about yourself, like your orientation, your age, whatever. And Mateo skips the orientation section, which, you know, it's not anyone's business what you are. And that's like, I always live by that just because I uh, scream about how gay I am every 10 minutes doesn't mean everyone needs to do that because it's no one else's business unless you want it to be their business. So Mateo's profile his bucket list is visiting his comatose father in the hospital and his best friend before he dies. And then after that, he says, I want to make a difference for others and find a different Mateo while I'm at it. Which I think 
honestly, I think we all would like to do before we pass is like find what's best about ourselves. And if we don't know yet, maybe figuring that out. And while Rufus is on his way home to his foster parents, he like gathers everyone up when he finally gets back to his foster home. And he's like, get the parents. We got to do this. They, uh, he calls Amy and is like, Hey, I got the death cast call. Can you like, can you talk to me? And she's very upset. She tells Rufus that she'll be right over to the church that they usually hang out at, uh, around. And he's like, no, come, come to Pluto. Like, come meet me there. And she winds up going. And on page 50, I have this note right here. He opens the door and Amy's there and she's pissed. And she's like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, it really is my end day. I can show you the timestamp. She's like, no, no, this. And she steps to the side and points at the bottom of the stairs at Peck and his wrecked face. The one I said I never wanted to see again as long as I lived. <laughs> like, honestly, I I think it's, I thought that was funny because she's like, you're fucking kidding me, right? And uh, he's like, no, man, I'm really dying. And she's like, no, no, not that, this. And it's very much like, you think I wouldn't know that you did this? Uh, it goes back and forth, and it's just like, I want to talk about the thing with Rufus. I love talking, like, I've been talking about Rufus a lot to my friends because I I love his character so much. Um, not that I don't like Mateo, but um, he's not exactly exciting until later in the book. Um, but that's, he, you know, obviously so. Um, but he grows as a, a character, which is, you know, something that's great. But So after that, it goes to Mateo at 2.02 a.m., and uh, the first person to reach out to him on the <laughs> the the Last Friends app, it goes really horribly. Like it's not great. And I think there's another chapter about this girl like reaching out. Uh, like she like it comes up that she's like, I don't understand why like people like didn't want to talk to me. And it's just it's funny. There's there's a bunch of people that like try to like talk to him, and he's like, no. And then there's one guy that says he has the he is secured to death at his place. And Mateo's like, oh, what is it? And he's like, it's in my pants. So that's gross. That happens. <laughs> I'm like ripping that sticky note out of my book. I never want to see it again. Um, and then it goes back to Rufus. And Rufus is uh, they're in the middle of the funeral for him. So he's having his funeral. Like, and the weird thing about this book is people will have live funerals. Um, sometimes they like opt to do that so they can have a proper goodbye for his, like their, for their friends and family, which I mean, I, I would probably do. I don't know. I can't say what I would do in that situation, but yes, after that, um, while they're having the, um, the funeral, they hear police sirens and someone knocks at the door and Peck called the fucking cops. I have on page 62, Peck called the cops. <laughs> this kid sucks. Like, Adam Silvera, I, I want to have a talk with you. I want to know when you're going to write a happy book for me. Not specifically just me, but I need to know. I feel like one of my dreams is getting Adam Silvera on here, like on this podcast to talk to me about these books so I can just cry the whole time. But after that, Rufus like runs out and gets his bike outside of the the foster home and he rides off to like a gas station nearby and he downloads the last friend app after seeing like a spray paint graffiti thing that I believe you actually meet the character who does the spray paint graffiti things um and they're actually of people that she has met throughout the like 
throughout her time doing like the last friend app. She's one of the people who aren't uh, dying and she meets with people and she does graffiti drawings of them so that like they have some like a lasting impression on the world, which is actually really, really cool. So he downloads the last friend app and like puts up his information. And uh, the next chapter is Mateo finding uh, Rufus after like adjusting his profile to be like people closer to his age. And uh, he clicks on Mateo. Mateo is, um, I'll read his profile to you. He's 17. He's male. He's 5'10. He's 169 pounds. He's Cuban American. He's bisexual. He's a professional time waster. His interests are cycling and photography. He doesn't have favorite movies, TV shows, or books. Who you were in life, he survived something he shouldn't have. Bucket list, do it up. Final thoughts, it's about time. I've made mistakes, but I'm going to go out right. Mateo reaches out to him first and says, sorry you'll be lost, Rufus. Which is actually like, kind of, that's like a nice thing to say. And so Mateo's profile is him wearing a Luigi hat from Super Mario Brothers. And Rufus responds with, hey, nice hat. I'm going to read the conversation because it's actually kind of cute. So Rufus says, hey, Mateo, nice hat. And Mateo's like, he not only responded, but he likes my Luigi hat for my profile. He's already connected to the person I want to become. So Mateo goes, thanks. I think I'm going to leave the hat here at home. I don't want the attention. Rufus, good call. A Luigi hat isn't exactly a baseball cap, right? Mateo, exactly. Rufus, wait, you haven't left your house yet? Mateo, nope. Rufus, did you just get the alert a few minutes ago? Mateo. Deathcast called me a little after midnight. Rufus, what have you been doing all night? <laughs> Mateo, cleaning and playing video games. Rufus, which game? Rufus, never mind. The game doesn't matter. Do you have stuff you want to do? What are you waiting for? Mateo, I was talking to potential last friends and they were not great is the great, kindest way to put it. Rufus, why do you need a last friend before starting your day? Mateo, why do you need a last friend before last friend when you have friends? Rufus, I asked you first. Mateo, fair. I think it's insane to leave the apartment knowing something or someone is going to kill me. Also, because there are last friends out there claiming that they have the cure to death in their pants. Rufus, I spoke to that dick too. Not his dick exactly, but I reported and blocked him afterwards. I promise I'm much better than that guy. I guess it's not saying much. Do you want a video chat? I'll send you the invite. And immediately he sends Mateo the invite to video chat and... Mateo's like, oh, wow, oh, mm-hmm, yep, here we are. So Rufus's inkling is that he wants to be able to see the person he's going to be hanging out with. And Mateo's like, okay, yeah, like, I, I guess this is the thing. Um, hmm. So while they're video chatting, um, Mateo's asking questions like, why, you know, why do you need a last friend when you have friends? And he's like, well, you know, something happened and I had to leave him. Um, and then they get into the topic of, uh, Rufus losing his family. He's like, you lost your family and then what? Uh, and Rufus was like, I wasn't about this life. Rufus says, looking away, I would have been game with that. I would have been game with game over, but that's not what my parents and sis wanted for me. It's mad twisted, but surviving showed me it's better to be alive. Wishing I was dead than dying. Wishing I could live forever. If I can lose it all and change my attitude, you need to do the same before it's too late, dude. You got to go for it. So um, that was actually part of Mateo's profile that he wanted to go for it. That was like his part of his like last wishes. So 
Mateo's responding really well to Rufus talking, and obviously it seems like he actually read Mateo's profile. So um, I thought that was actually a really interesting quote. Surviving showed me it's better to be alive wishing I was dead than dying wishing than dying wishing I could live forever. I thought that was actually a really like beautiful quote. Uh, right before they stop video chatting, he's they're talking about like trying to get Mateo out of the house to like do his stuff, and uh, Rufus is like, "I promise to be the Mario to your Luigi." In reference to uh, Mateo's profile picture of him in the Luigi hat, which I thought was so cute, and they bring that up later too. And now we're in part two, which is the last friend. So part two starts with a chapter about Andrea Donahue. So it's funny. My note is Andrea Donahue. Weird chapter about Andrea, the woman who called Mateo with his death call, mentioned something about an accident. So she, like, she had an accident and uh, I guess messed her leg up. Uh, and she's only doing that job so she can uh, have insurance for her and her family. Um, So she doesn't want to do the death cast job, but obviously she has to for the insurance. But uh, she has made mistakes with, uh, you know, calling people before. Yeah, she, like, rushes through phone calls. Like, you're supposed to, like, spend not, like, time with the people you're calling, apparently. But um, you can't rush through it. And Andrew has been um, suspected of doing that. And then... Uh, the next chapter would be actually someone called Malcolm Anthony. Malcolm Anthony is one of, and he's just called Malcolm by uh, Rufus. Rufus. Rufus has two friends named Malcolm, and the other one name is uh, the other kid's name is to go to to go. I can't pronounce it. It's T A G O E. I think it's to go. Those are his like two best friends, and then there was Amy as well, and they were all like the solar system Pluto kids, and. To distract the cops from going to find uh, Rufus, Malcolm starts acting up in front of the cops, and to go doesn't understand that he's like acting up just to distract them, and they both kind of get not arrested but brought in uh, to be held uh, for interfering with the cops. And on their way there, um, he real uh, Malcolm realizes that Rufus took his bike with him because he's not outside the foster home. He's okay knowing that at least Rufus has his bike and he has, you know, he'll be able to get around. And the cops won't be able to find him because they're not necessarily looking for a kid on a bike. So after that, Mateo gets a knock at the door and it's Rufus. And Rufus is just, like, trying to figure out why uh, Mateo won't leave. And Mateo's like, well, I got to drop off these notes to my neighbors to let them know, like, not to worry about me because I got the phone call. So Mateo does that to not worry about any of the stuff like he his uh his gaslight burner on his stove is not working and his one neighbor is supposed to come fix it and he gives him a note like hey don't worry about it don't come fix it today like i got the death cast phone call and uh my dad can probably fix it when he wakes up from his coma so you know the whole book is mateo being very like positive that his dad's gonna wake up and he hopes that it's today that he'll wake up and see his son and that this will be the day that he does it. But um, after that, there's a weird scene with Mateo and like, I kind of understand this, but at the same time, it's like interesting. Um, Mateo is kind of made to be this like very, he's like a very caring and giving person. And when they're out, finally outside of the apartment after walking down the steps, instead of taking the elevator, um, cause that's a, de- a death wish with two people who are, 
literally scheduled to die in the same day, stepping into an elevator. Bad idea. So they take steps the whole book. P.S. While they're crossing the road, they find a dead bird, and Mateo's like, I have to bury this bird. And Rufus is like, I don't understand. He's like, well, you don't have to, but I want to give this bird the proper burial it deserves, because like, I remember seeing a bird as a kid dying in the rain, like a little baby bird that jumped out of the nest and trying to save it by like sitting over it. So the rain wouldn't get it. So, um, they go and bury the bird and like the lot near Mateo's place. And the first line from Rufus's chapter, uh, yo, Mateo is too good. Like, honestly, yeah, same. Mateo is very, he's very pure, uh, and gentle, which is, like I said, he's not boring, there are like layers to him and as you slowly read the book there's like more that you find out about him so rufus starts off having a lot more i don't want to say personality but like he has more to him than mateo does and as the book goes mateo you find out a lot more about mateo so i started falling in love with mateo like very quickly as i'm starting to read and there is a part like i challenged myself to read like 100 pages per day um, after having a really hard time getting into the book, I like was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here and read. And that's what I did on the snow day that we had. I sat and read 100 pages. And then I was like, wow, I don't want to put the book down. Like I feel like I have to keep reading. So after the bird bearing situation, they, um, Mateo was like, listen, I just want to go visit my dad and then my friend. And then we're good for the day. We can do whatever you want. And uh, Rufus is like, yeah, let's let's go visit your dad. We'll do that for sure. And at this point, they're still trying to figure each other out. Rufus and Mateo are like figuring each other out. Rufus is like, if this kid just wants to sit with his dad, then I'll find another last friend. I don't really want to, but I'll do it. Mateo is just like, I might just wind up staying here with my dad, but I also don't want to let this, this person down. So they're go- both going back and forth in their heads about this. On the subway tr- like ride down, they come apart like across a party train of people like celebrating not getting the last like the the death call, which is like crappy. And Rufus goes in on that train, and then he realizes that Mateo isn't there with him. And this girl named Callie starts hitting on Rufus, and Rufus is like, "Nah, like, I, like I can't do it. Like I, I'm, I'm." I got to go to my friend. And uh, so he goes into the next train and Mateo's kind of like sad that he didn't like break out of his shell and like even try uh, to go onto the party train and just to have fun for a little bit. And you find that out like in Mateo's chapter, like the first part right after that, the chapter in between the train, like for Rufus and Mateo, there's an Amy chapter and on this chapter, I realized that the chapters about the other people are kind of in third person. So I thought that that was just how Malcolm spoke, like his chapter is in third person. But every other chapter that isn't uh, the kid, like the two boys, it's it's in third person, which is just like confusing. But um, the chapter with Amy in between the two is basically Amy being like, Peck, we're not dating anymore. I never want to see you again. So there's that. And then Mateo's chapter it's him admitting that he's like failing to break out. Uh, he can't like he doesn't want to surround himself with more strangers, and he just like he doesn't feel comfortable doing that. And when they uh, get to the hospital a little bit after that, 
they almost get turned away, and Rufus is like, listen, this kid's about to die. Like, let him see his dad, because visiting hours are, you know, normal time and not, what is it, 4 a.m. right now? Yeah, it's 4.26 a.m. So, like I said, timestamps. But, yeah, Mateo almost gets turned away, and Rufus is like, this kid's dying. Like, let him see his dad. And the nurses let them go up, so they take the stairs up. The nurse that takes care of Mateo's dad comes in, and her name's Elizabeth, and starts asking questions about Mateo's dad, because she realizes that he got the call. And he's like, I want to know more about this man that, like, raised this amazing boy. Like, I want to know, like, who he is as a person. So he starts telling him stories, and he writes uh, a note on the back of one of, like, their family photos. So the note to that Mateo writes to his dad is, thank you for everything, Dad. I'll be brave and I'll be okay. Love you from here to there. Which I think is like a cute way of saying love you to the moon and back. But as he's like sitting with his dad, he starts singing, take this waltz. Um, So his goodbye to his father is him singing, take this waltz, instead of telling his father a secret that he's been keeping. And I didn't realize the secret that he's been giving until the end of the book, um, which I was like, oh, maybe it's this. And I was like, no, it can't be. And then I I read the end of the book and I was like, yeah, I was right. But uh, Rufus was told, um, like, Mateo's like, listen, come get me after 10 minutes with my dad and I'll go, I promise. Like, and then we can go do Lydia's thing and then we'll be free to do whatever. So, um Rufus's uh, next chapter is him like sitting outside Mateo's father's room and going in to grab Mateo. And I have a note that just says, wow, this is sad. Jesus, Adam. And it's just like, so it's the, those pages are literally him saying goodbye to his dad. You remember when I said that Mateo was just like too good? He's like really honestly too kind. As they're leaving the hospital, uh, they walk by a homeless man and Mateo is like, I I need to help this man. And Rufus is like, what if he's just conning you? Like, you don't need to do that. And Mateo's like, no, I I want to help him. So he he gives him money that he has. Yeah, so um, Rufus reaches into his pocket and has $20 on him. And Mateo gives him the money that he has, too. I think it's like $18. And they give it to the homeless man. And the homeless man is like, you're fucking with me. They're like, no, like this is all we have. Like, please take it. And they don't tell the homeless man that it's their, like, last day because they don't want to cheapen the experience for the man. And the man hugs them both and is crying. He's like, thank you so much. Like, this means so much to me. And it's a primer for something else that happens later in the book when uh, Mateo's talking about how one day when he was, I think, walking home from school or something, this one kid um, had, like, a bloody nose and was missing his shoes. Mateo took off his own shoes and gave them to the kid. was like, here, like take these. And it's a primer for something that happens later in the book. So like that happens. So like another thing about Mateo. So he's just a kind giving person and, uh, which is unreal. I think, uh, especially for, I think most kids that age, um, Mateo is like honestly pure and one of a kind, which I think makes him so special. There's another character in the book that we're learning about. Her name is Delilah Gray. She also gets her death cast phone call, but she thinks it's fake because she just told her fiance who works for death cast that she doesn't want to be with him anymore. Like she needs a break. And 
His name is Victor. So, like, you find out about that. So, like I said, there are other characters sprinkled within the book. So, the last friend portion of the book is super thick. Wow, it's over 100 pages. Um, so, after we finish up with Miss Delilah, we... Yeah, so we have Delilah Gray. She uh, gets her phone call at 2.52, and she thinks it's fake. So, there's that. She'll be important later on in uh, the book. The boys go to uh, a cafe, get snacks, and uh, they start talking more about each other. They start, like, talking more about stuff, and uh, Rufus figures out that um, Mateo isn't going to tell uh, Lydia that he's dying. And Rufus is like, what the fuck do you mean you're not going to tell your best friend that you're going to die? He's like, I just know that after what happened with Christian, she just won't be able to handle it. He's like, you're like, don't do this. You have the chance to say goodbye to your friends. Like you need to be able to do it. Rufus is kind of Mateo's um, conscious in a way, which is like a weird way to say, because Mateo is so pure, but he's so pure that he doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings, even though at the same time, this would hurt them more. Um, But he's not, I don't think he's, capable of thinking of long-term things right now obviously like who would be able to (laughs) after they leave the restaurant um to go visit lydia rufus is like get on my bike we'll go like right to lydia's and mateo's like that's not a tandem bike and and rufus is like yeah but there's pegs you can like ride in the pegs mateo's like nope absolutely not not doing that that could be how i die and that's kind of like the back and forth between them. Rufus really loves riding his bike. And Mateo is like, that could kill me. I'm not going to be doing that today. Thank you. So um, they go to um, Lydia's. And you find out more about um, how Lydia's uh, partner died. And it's really sad. She, he went off to, I believe, Pennsylvania, upstate, like, Pennsylvania or something to get, like, money to for uh, some... Oh, my God, what is it? Weird daggers. There we go. I literally looked at the page. He's selling some, like, weird daggers or swords or something, and he thinks that he'll be able to get more money if he delivers them instead of, like, uh, sending them via mail. And on his way there, he gets the death cast call, and he finds a trucker who also... <laughs> I believe he also got the death cast call and they, um, on their way back to New York, they both die. And Lydia was sleeping during, like during this whole thing. Cause it was very late. So, um, she, he goes, <laughs> it's really fucked up. So, uh, after that, um, like you find like, well, um, Mateo and Mateo and Lydia are talking. Lydia can tell there's something wrong as you, can with most of your friends and while she's going to do something like Mateo has been with her for a little bit of time and while she's going out to get something like in the apartment um, and she definitely knows what's going on he leaves and leaves her I think it's like $400 in cash in an envelope and then just leaves and so after he leaves her apartment he blocks her phone number so he can't like get phone calls or texts from Lydia because she's definitely figured out what's going on and Mateo comes down to Rufus and they start talking about um, what really like what Rufus really wants to do and like what he's into 
And he's talking about his Instagram and how it's all black and white and it has been ever since his parents and sister, like his family died. And Mateo's like, why don't you do something in color? So he decides um, to, instead of using the, like the Countdowners app, which is something that like people display their last days on, Rufus decides to do it via his Instagram. And instead of it being in black and white, Mateo's like, you don't need the Countdowners app. You can post everything on here. You can create a hashtag or whatever, too. But I think you should post your life in color. Let that be how the Plutos remember you. The smile goes away because that's the nature of today. Forget it. That's stupid. So Mateo kind of is like, why don't you post like these pictures of your day in color? That way you, you know, your friend can actually remember you in color. And then the next chapter after that is a fucking Patrick Peck Gavin chapter. And my note is, yo, fuck Peck. He's going to do something shady, which he does. So after that chapter, the in-between chapter with stupid Peck... The next chapter is like Rufus, and as they're they're traveling, they happen to get a like a ding on their phone that says "Make a moment location nearby," and Rufus is like, "What the hell is this?" Mateo's like, "Oh, it's like a it's a computer generated place that like people go to to experience doing things safely. So like if you want to do say for instance skydiving, which is what the boys pick um, because." Uh, Rufus is just like, I am not doing anything related to water, obviously, because he almost drowned in the Hudson River. And while they're deciding, Mateo gets a phone call from a uh, number that isn't Lydia's, but it is Lydia. And she's like trying to reach out to him. And Rufus is like, it's nice that your friend's trying to reach out to you. Mine haven't tried at all. And as he's like trying to FaceTime Amy... He's about to hang up when she picks up, and she's obviously been sleeping. And she basically lets the like the beans spill that the boys got arrested um, for what happened. And she's like, who's that kid that's with you? And Rufus is like, this is my last friend, Mateo. And introduces Amy as just his friend, Amy. And the quote is, I didn't add that she's the girl who body slammed my heart because I'm not trying to make everyone uncomfortable here. Like, honestly, so funny. Um, (laughs) Body slammed. I've literally never referred to anyone body slamming my heart before, but that was a pretty good thing. And also, after that FaceTime phone call, uh, like during it, you find out that Amy didn't break up with Peck and said that the Pluto boys weren't completely innocent. And Mateo heard this and like disappeared so when uh rufus is done with his facetime he like looks around and he's like shit mateo's gone so he runs off to find him and rufus is like are you crazy we're not supposed to split up and mateo's like and you're not supposed to be a total stranger literally reading from the book and rufus is like okay fine let's go somewhere and talk and i'll explain to you what's going on so they find, um, they go into Central Park and they find the Alice in Wonderland like statues. And Mateo didn't know that they've been there for like forever. I obviously don't know how long they've been there because I don't live in New York. But Mateo is kind of embarrassed. He's like, I didn't know these existed. And Rufus is like, Yeah, they've been here forever. While they're talking, like there's like a silence, and Mateo's like, Did you murder someone? Like, what, like, what happened here? And Rufus is like, of course not. That didn't happen. I just jumped someone. Amy's new boyfriend. I, 
he was like making fun of me and it just like happened. And Mateo seems to like take the story um, as like a mistake because people make mistakes. And Rufus decides to go like a step further and talk to Mateo about his family's death and like how he feels about it. He feels guilty about his sister Olivia's death because she didn't go to California for college. So she was supposed to, she got accepted into school and decided to wait until Rufus was done with school so they could go together. And he kind of feels guilty because maybe she might not have died if she had just gone. Um, and her parents were like, no, go, like, go to California, go to California. And she's like, no, I'm going to wait for Rufus. Like, it's, it's going to be our thing. We're going to go to school together. And so the day of uh, their death call, um, Rufus came out to his parents as bisexual and they were accepting. Thank God is the note that I have. Um, which is really good because, you know, you want to be able to let your parents see your true self before that stuff happens. And uh, it, it was a nice touch that they added because it, it was like their, their sexualities aren't something that's super important in this book. It's more so like these kids trying to figure out like how they're going to spend their last day. And they're like, their intimacies aren't super important until like really towards the end of the book. So that way they like the little, like the injections of it, they're not overdone and they're not overplayed, which is something that I really appreciated. And then they decide to finally go to the make a moment place and pick skydiving for their first activity. Um, and they take a picture for the gram together. So there's a picture of them in like the, uh, aviator outfits, uh, before they go skydiving, which I think is probably like a super cute picture. I'm imagining it. And then one of the chapters is for Lydia and it's about her like basically spelling out that she figured out that Mateo is dying after that. So the boys are now they're underneath the highway leading North towards the Queensboro bridge. They find these abandoned payphones and some ditch and Rufus is like, we got to go in there. And Mateo's about to protest, but he's like, nope, we're going in. This is the thing that I want to do. This is a thing that's happening. So they go in and this is in this chapter, they start talking about more so about like mortality. And it was actually like a pretty interesting chapter because the boys kind of start talking to each other about their like feelings about things. And this is where Mateo talks about Last year, I bumped into the sky with a bloody nose and no sneakers. So it wasn't when they were younger. It was, like, pretty recently. And that's uh, that guy will come up again later in the book. And they start talking about, while they're in the, like, the graveyard of payphones, things that are going extinct. And because uh, Rufus is really into photography, he brings up that he's not even using a real camera. Cameras that use film are going extinct, too. Watch. (laughs) And post offices and handwritten letters are next. Movie rental stores and DVD players. Landlines and answering machines. Newspapers, clocks, and wristwatches. I, it's so funny to hear someone call a wristwatch a wristwatch because I just call them watches. But I know that... <laughs> I don't know why I think that's odd. But, um, one of them is like physical books and libraries. Not any, anytime soon, but eventually, right? And then um, they talk, start talking about how, like, people thought that they'd live forever. And they bring up dinosaurs saying, like, oh, I bet they thought they would rule the land forever. And then look at them. And Taylor's like, yeah, look at me. Exhibit, exhibit A. I thought I'd live forever. 
And then the chapter after the phone, like the uh, the payphone cemetery is the word I'm looking for. After the payphone cemetery, there is a chapter for someone named Kendrick O'Connell. This is the kid that Mateo was talking about when he said he gave a kid uh, who had been jumped his own shoes. Kendrick is part of Peck's gang, and he is referred to as the Knockout King. So I don't know if uh, you guys know this. The Knockout Game is kind of a thing that was like kind of big on the internet, where you'd like run up to strangers and just like knock them out. And there are people who have been killed during those kinds of things. So it's uh, sad to hear that. Uh, because I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, so my note literally ends with shit because um, all the buildup, and it's it's like watching a TV show. So you're reading these things and you get like little chapters about Peck and then one about one of his gang members. And you're like, holy shit. So these kids are going to get like literally slaughtered. I'm imagining this. I'm like, oh my God, Mateo's going to get murdered in front of Rufus. And Rufus is going to feel guilty about it because that's just his character. He feels guilty about everyone's deaths because the, of his experience. So I'm reading this and I'm like, oh my God, Mateo's going to get like his neck snapped in front of Rufus. And I'm just like imagining how like all the different sad directions this book can go because it's literally called They Both Die at the End. So it's not going to be happy. It's not happy. And it's not that it's a sad book per se, but it's not... Happy, perky, lovey, go lucky like Love Simon is. So, really interesting dichotomy there. And then after the, like, after that, so truly after the, like, phone cemetery, Mateo decides that he wants to go visit his mother. So, his mother died giving birth to him. And Mateo was like, I want to go see my mother's grave. So, they decide on doing that. And. Mateo had mentioned that he like wanted to be an architect, and then like that was his thing. So before they go into the cemetery, they stop at like a CVS type store, and they buy uh, and Rufus buys Legos for Mateo to see like what he can do, like what his skills are. And they get on the train, and they're like, of course, uh, Rufus is like, we could have gotten there quicker if you let me like take us on the bike and Mateo's like yeah no um I don't think so like I I'm not gonna get on your bike and do that sorry bro and so after they get the Legos they get onto the uh the train and it's a pretty it's a pretty like I don't want to say dead train <laughs> to be punny but uh it's a there's not a lot of people on the train right now um it's pretty empty and while they're on the train Mateo starts asking, like, where would you want to go in the world? Like, what did you want to do? Like, what did you want to travel to? Because Mateo uh, finds out that Rufus would have loved to be, like, a travel photographer. So um, he's saying, like, he wants to go swimming with the dolphins in Mexico. Um, he wants to go hand gliding in the Rio de Janeiro. He also brings up that, like, it's crazy that people want to go swimming with sharks. Like, he thinks it's wild. And he probably would have... Like, to go to places that aren't as, like, widely popular as, like, say, like, the Leaning Tower of Pisa or the Colosseum. Um, but he would have loved to go to those places. And then, as they're talking, uh, the lights on the train flicker and everything shuts off, including, like, the fans. So, there's they're, like, stuck in motion. Not stuck in motion, but, like, the train is stopped. Like, the lights are off. 
And Mateo gets really anxious, like, leans into Rufus to protect him in case something happens. And Rufus is like, okay, calm down, don't worry, nothing's happening, let me, let me see what you build. So he pulls out the Legos and is like, build me something, I want to see what you make. So in the dark, Rufus pulls out his, like, the, the Legos and turns on his cell phone light. I was like, here, make something. So he starts building, and he says he realizes that he's building something that looks like a sanctuary. It reminds him of his home. So his his apartment is really like his safe place, and that's brought up later in the book too, but it's, it's kind of riddled throughout the book that Mateo really truly only feels like most comfortable at home. And while they're talking, Mateo starts falling asleep, and he's like, I'm going to take a nap, even though I know I don't have time for naps. And Rufus is like, no, go to sleep. Don't worry about it. And Mateo falls asleep. Rufus, and like immediately after the next chapter, is Rufus taking a picture of Mateo sleeping. (laughs) That sounds creepy. No shit. But I got to immortalize this dreamy look on his face. That doesn't sound any less creepy. Shit. It's in the moment, too. How often do you find yourself on a train that's having a blackout with an 18-year-old kid and his Lego house that he's on his way to, as he's on his way to the cemetery to visit his mother's headstone? Exactly. Instagram-worthy. So, like, that was... I I mean, I thought that was pretty cute. I understand that it's, like, kind of creepy at the same time. But as that's happening, um, Mateo starts, like, seizing and... Rufus is like, is this kid having a seizure? Oh, my God. So he wakes up Mateo, and Mateo is having a a nightmare about skiing. Um, And it's because Rufus was talking about skiing before and how I think he broke either both of his legs or, like, one of them skiing with his parents. And every year they went to this, like, skiing place, one of them got hurt until his sister was like, we're not skiing here anymore. Like, we all suck at this. Like, this is bad. So... After that, it's another Delilah chapter, and Delilah, like, really wants to interview this actor from the Scorpius Hawthorne books. So it's almost like the Harry Potter books, but in a different vein, where, like, apparently it's, like, the evil wizard is famous. Um, So the actor who plays, like, this uh, evil wizard, he got the death call, the death cast call, and she wants to interview like she wants to do the interview for him and her boss is like no you're you're way too new to be interviewing someone of this stature and just letting you know there are going to be more actors that die soon so like you're you're going to be here like you'll get your chance don't worry and she's like no i want my chance and her boss is like okay get me this book and you can be there for the interview and right as she gets like her boss leaves she, like, trips and falls in the street, and a car almost runs her head over. So, like, there's that. So, and this is the woman who believes that she's not actually supposed to be dying today. She thinks it's, like, a, a, a farce. Like, her fian- her ex-fiancé is just, you know, fucking with her. So, she's, like, believing the whole day that she's not going to die. And she almost gets her head run over by a car. Terrible. Right? In this chapter, um, they start talking about, like, the afterlife, the two boys, while they're on their way to see Mateo's mother's grave. And uh, Mateo's like, hey, do you believe in the afterlife? And Rufus is like, that's not weird. We're dying. It's not a weird question. Weird answer. I believe in two afterlives. And the boys start talking about them. And Rufus starts talking about how he thinks we're already dead. And not everyone, just the Deckers. So the ones that are Deckers 
are the ones who are dead, like already dead. The whole death cast thing seems too fantasy to be true. Knowing when our last day is going down so we can live it right, straight up fantasy. The first afterlife kicks off when uh, the first afterlife kicks off when Deathcast tells us to live out our day, knowing it's our last. That way, we'll take full advantage of it, thinking we're still alive. Then we enter the next and final afterlife without any uh, any regrets. You get me? And Mateo's like, yeah, that's actually pretty interesting. And uh, he's like, but wouldn't it be better if we already knew we were dead, so we're not just living in fear of how it happens? And Rufus is like, nope, it's not how it works. And uh, so they're like talking and like having, they're having like pretty good conversation. And uh, so this next part I'm going to read because I feel like it's hard to explain otherwise. Um, So Rufus is like, nah, your time just expires. And I don't know, you fade or something and reappear in what people call heaven. I'm not religious. I believe there's some I believe there's some alien creator and somewhere for dead people to hang out, but I don't credit all that as God in heaven. And Mateo's like, me too, ditto on the God thing. And maybe the rest of Rufus's theory is right too. Maybe I'm already dead and have uh, been paired with a life changer to spend my last day with as a reward for daring to do something new, like trying their last friend up, maybe. What does your after afterlife look like? It's whatever you want. No limitations. If you're into angels and halos and ghost dogs, then cool. If you want to fly, you do you. If you want to go back in time, knock yourself out. You've thought a lot about this, I say. Late night chats with the Plutos. So, like, it's cool that they're actually, like, having realistic conversations about this stuff. It's not just like, we got to spend our day the best day ever. It's like, no, I want to know, like, what you think about, like, what's going to happen to us afterwards. So they're having, like, realistic conversations, too. And then Mateo's like, my afterlife is like a home theater where you can rewatch your entire life from start to finish. And let's say my mother invited me into her theater. I could watch her life. I just hope that someone knows what parts should fade to black so I'm not scarred my entire afterlife. Oh, and there's also this little transcript of everything you've ever said since birth. And I shut up because we've reached the corner. Okay, so... Mateo's idea of the afterlife is like a home theater where you can like invite people in and be like, let's watch our lives together. So I thought that was a pretty cool idea that Mateo's like, and if my mom invited me in, maybe I could get to know her a little bit better, which I think is pretty cool. Like, I think it's a nice way to like have a conversation. And it's a very interesting idea. I've never heard anyone like talk about the afterlife like that. So the one thing that is like very yikes worthy, like right after this. So I cut myself off as I was talking. So the next part is I shut up because we've round, we've reached the corner and the space beside my mother's plot. There's a man digging another grave while a caretaker installs a headstone with my name and dates of birth and death. I'm not even dead yet. So, I read that and I had to reread it a couple of times because I was like, wait, they're already digging his grave. That's straight up wild. And yeah, like honestly, I know like getting, you know, a hand on things while you can is smart, but like this kid is still alive and he's literally seeing his own grave being dug. And he basically goes over and he like wants time with the, like his mom's, you know, grave. And the guy's like, yeah, sorry that like, your grave is being dug, but we have to, like, keep on our schedule. And Rufus yells at the dude. He's like, this kid's going to die and you're already digging his grave. Like, leave right now. You need to leave. So the guy makes, like, a comment about, like, deckers these days, which is just like, fuck off, dude. So he, like, 
He sits with his mother, Estrella, which is it's such a beautiful name. And Ruf, he asked Rufus to have, like, a minute with his mom. He's like, do you mind if I just, like, have a second? And Rufus is like, yeah, I won't be far. And he doesn't even know if he actually, like... Mateo isn't sure if Rufus actually, like, left to give him time or if he's just standing right there or he's, like, you know, miles away. But he feels comfortable and he, like, sits with his mom and he's, like, he's talking to her. And he's like, hey, mom, are you excited to meet me? I know you created me, but we're still strangers when you think about it. I'm sure you've thought about this already. You've had a lot of time in your home theater where the credits start rolling because you died while I cried in some nurse's arms. Maybe that nurse could have helped with the severe bleeding if she hadn't been holding me. I don't know. I'm really sorry you had to die so I could live. I really am. I really hope you don't send some border patrol to keep me out when I finally die. That's like, that's so sad. And I I can't even think about that. He still feels guilt about you know, his mom dying so that he could live. And he thinks that he was marked for an early death because his mom died early. So that's like something from the first chapter that Mateo thinks that he's dying early because he he's the reason his mom died. And so he asks his mom to look after him for one last day. And after that, he actually sits in his grave, which isn't like dug all the way. And Rufus asks, if <laughs> can I join you? Rufus asks. There's only really room for one. Get your own grave. Which, like, honestly is, like, kind of funny. And he, he sits in the grave with uh, Mateo. And he's like, no grave for me. I'm going to be cremated like my family. And Mateo's like, do you still have their ashes? We could scatter them somewhere, like, if you like if that's what you want to do today. And Rufus is like, no, I don't. Like, I, I already scattered them outside of my old building. Still felt weird about it afterwards. Like, I still feel bad. So, uh, nope, I don't have their ashes. And he's like, uh, where do you want to be scattered? And he says that he wants to be scattered at Althea Park, which is Mateo's favorite park. So after that, they start talking about how they have a lot of like similarities, how Mateo's like, do you believe in fate? And Rufus goes, weird answer. I've So the whole thing is, weird question, do you believe in fate? Rufus goes, weird answer, I believe in two fates. Really? No, Rufus smiles. I don't even believe in one. You? How else do you explain this meeting, I ask? We both downloaded the app and agreed to hang out, Rufus says. But look at us. My mom and your parents are dead. My father is out of commission. If your parents were around, we wouldn't have found ourselves on Last Friend. The app is designed mainly for adults, not teens. If you can believe in two afterlives, you can believe in the universe playing Puppet Master, can't you? Rufus nods as the rain comes down harder on us. He stands and offers me a hand. I take it. The poetry you could write about Rufus helping me out of my grave isn't lost on me. Like, it's just, like, this chapter is, like, I think one of, like, the best written ones. Um, just because it's, like, a lot happens in a very small space of time. And, um, this is, like, the last... Yeah, this is the last bit of this chapter for Last Friend. So the next chapter is going to be called The Beginning. So I feel as though this is where I should end this episode... Um, just because I feel like I've given you guys so much information and the next one will be shorter, but it'll have a lot more in it. So that way I'll be able to divide up the spoilers. So I've given you guys a good portion of the book about like literally half. So the next chapter is part three, the beginning, and I will put that one up a couple days after I upload this one. But I just wanted to get this part up just because I don't want you guys to have to listen to a three hour podcast. So the next podcast will be just as like the spoiler information and I'll be able to give you like a little bit more because it's, it's a pretty packed podcast. 
already, and I think this the last part of this needs a lot of attention, and I want to be able to pay the right amount of attention to it. So here is the end of this episode. So this will be part one, and part two will be up soon. My name is Brandon Patrick, and thank you for listening to Superlit.